edition of AIW. Hard is going to change. We are on the road to our first show in 2017. Coming up soon here, February 17th. Make sure to join us. Head to AIWrestling.com for your ticketing information there. And before we get the show started, of course, we want a shout-out to our sponsors. Big thanks, as always, to SmartMark Video, who records every single one of our live events so that you can see it, if you can't make it, on DVD and MP4, however you want to digitally stream it. Make sure you grab that there. Also, thanks to Angelo's Pizza, award-winning Angelo's Pizza, on Madison Avenue in Lakewood, Ohio. They provide us with pizza that you get to eat at our live events and, of course, wonderful dishes that we're enjoying right here now as we record tonight. And then, of course, thanks to Jack Prince, who handles all of our printing needs and graphic design, taking care of our flyers, banners, any sort of other signage that we may have. And, of course, they can take care of printing on T-shirts and plenty of other clothing for you. So make sure you check them out at jackprince.com. jkprince.com. Shout out to our new rep, Nadia. There you go. Those voices you just heard are the co-owners of AIW, Chandler Biggins and John Thorne. My name is Steve Guy. And I'll be your moderator of sorts here. This week on this episode, uh, we dive into a very, very distant past of AIW. I, of course, introduced them as co-owners of AIW. That was not always the case. And that's what we find out here today. This is the story of how Chandler Biggins came into AIW ownership. What happened when? <laughs> what happened when? I just want to add that we did try to have a story of Dave the Potato's origin story, but he was... By far the worst podcast guest of all time, and the the, the audio was immediately deleted. We hey, went, hey we let, went me tw- ask, let me ask you a question. Hey, man, uh, Potato, uh, can you talk about um, how you got into the industry and uh, you know what your thoughts on it were? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's all he said. Hey, Potato, what about when you made a vetted uh, uh, AIW show against Johnny Gargano? Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> hey, what about the time you ripped off every restaurant in Cleveland? Uh, yeah, uh... It might have happened. It might have happened. What about the time that you had really bad teeth and you went to the dent? You went to a dentist office and you lied on your application for free de- for dental work and then you never paid them. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, what about like, hey, but- the potato in this room? Hey, hey, potato! What about the time you went to every paycheck cash advance place and with a fake check and you got money from all of them? And how many people have your picture up in their office? Allegedly. That is the entire Dave the Potato podcast that will never, ever be published. We thought it was going to be like the Duke roast where we could get him fired up. And, you know, I'll give the Duke credit, man. No matter what you say to him, he's going to fire back with a little jab. Potato? Potato? Eh, that's a good one. He just took it. He just laid here or sat here and fucking took it. It was was sweet potato. It was the... No, the sweet potato was his brother, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was by far the worst attempt at podcasting ever in the history of fucking audio fucking entertainment. I, I should mention as we uh, get into this, you may hear voices in the background from time to time. Uh, Alex Worldwide Keller. We, is, couldn't, we, we couldn't get rid of him from last week. He's still inhabiting the. Uh, where the. Where are we, Chandler Biggins? The studio apartment in Parma Heights, Ohio. Oh, that's right. Uh, and bartender Nick Sanka also here. He may say, and ironically, giving out Christmas sales, even though it's January. That's right. Christmas, and you know the story of the Christmas sale. If you don't know the story of the Christmas sale and how detrimental it can be, uh, go back a few episodes here. The card is going to change. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what they used to be. 
So today, as mentioned, we talk about Chandler Biggins. This is, uh, I mean, I guess... Because the potato, this was his episode, and he was so bad that now it's my episode. We've had a few episodes, Biggins, heavy as of late. Yeah, and now we're going to talk about how John Thorne owes me $30, because I paid for the first two AIW shows. If, if people haven't learned any, if, if they've learned nothing from these episodes that the card is going to change, at least the one thing they take away, Chandler Biggins always knows who owes him money. Oh. Hundred percent. I can't watch anything with Rich Swan on it because that motherfucker sold me ten dollars. <laughs> Here we go. Oh. Although I will say that Callisto, this is a big revelation on my episode. A revelation. Revelation. Callisto no longer owes me forty dollars because a WWE employee has bought the debt. Yeah, the debt has been purchased. So I am scot free. Uh, I hate Callisto still, but his debt is cleared. Callisto's debt has been cleared by an employee of. The WWE that wishes to remain anonymous uh, because he wants to collect his money at a at a later date. And it will be a good Lucha thing. Yeah, good Lucha thing. So Callisto is A-OK as far as uh, his debts are concerned in the AIW offices. Still couldn't find that fucking chair at TLC, though. That was pretty funny. So, all right. So we go back in the annals of time. John Thorne involved in AIW, right? Uh, yeah. So That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> However, Chandler Biggins not involved. How do you get introduced? But I will say this: I've never not been in an AIW show. There's not been one I missed. Well, there you go. Yes, he's he's been in attendance for them all, but he has not been of our employee for all of them. Only three I missed. I was uh, an employee by the fourth show. So, by the fourth show, what year is this? Tell two thousand five. Two thousand five. Four shows well, in do you want the Chandler Biggins backstory? Oh, well, I think I think you got to know the backstory to understand how he gets into the company. Oh, here we go. Well, in the late nineties, uh, I befriended a pro wrestler as soon as I got online. Of course, I'm asking just like any other person that usually gets into wrestling. I ask wrestlers dumb questions on AOL. Uh, my screen name was not Mortification 007 for those wondering. <laughs> That episode's not going to air, so you got to give some context that was, to that. that. Yeah, was, that's the uh, potatoes. Dave yeah, Dave, Dave Dawson annoyed wrestlers online. It's just one of those things, if you're into wrestling, uh, back when the internet first started, you probably annoyed wrestlers. So there was a guy out of Pittsburgh named Shirley Doe, and I befriended him, and he got me some manager work in the late 90s in Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself... Can't even can't even take this seriously. This fucking I'm, statement. I'm thinking I, I, got, I got some manager work. So I'm thinking to myself, man, I would really love to be in the wrestling business, but like I wasn't going to be a wrestler. And Thorne was involved in this company that ran Cleveland that was all untrained, and they had these wrestling shows. And the promoter of that had asked me before, "Hey, man, you think you could uh, you want to wrestle?" Because of course the scam was anybody that wanted to could wrestle as long as they sold tickets. So I never wanted to be a wrestler, but I knew you know there was somewhere for me. So that's when you wind up in public access television. Well, yeah, because the manager thing, the career of ma- being a manager did not work out. In so, the late 90s. In the late 90s. Because, <laughs> you know, there was high school and stuff in the way. So I-, I was still looking for my in in the business. I knew there had to be some fucking in somewhere, and the manager thing didn't work out. So... I got involved in the, there was a public access show named SEP and it was sports entertainment productions. And the guys of this show was, it was wrestling storylines and wrestling angles, 
but the it was it ended not in a wrestling match per se, but it ended in contests. Like there was a one where a person would have a a pool cue between their legs, and then they would have to put it inside of a empty toilet paper roll in somebody else's legs. Like fucking. Like fucking. <laughs> there was like a pizza eating contest. There was. Um, uh, anything it's just it was an off the wall ridiculous tv show and the whole point was it's professional wrestling without professional wrestling what did scp stand for sports entertainment productions i said that okay and did you partake in these contests? i ended up i ended up joining the cast and i was uh, super <laughs> fan chandler the cast yeah the cast <laughs> uh and is this on imdb no okay it was on public access all over northeast ohio uh, yeah. a lot of people have seen it but you don't. IMDb is a where they list credits. I'm well, I'm well aware. Oh, okay. I prefer You're Wikipedia. Okay. No, I prefer Wikipedia, but I do indulge in some fucking IMDb at times. <laughs> so <laughs> this is already better than the potato episode. Oh, well, not hard. You cut a, somebody's arm off. It's probably better than the potatoes episode. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So he was the owner. Yeah. It well, was. It was. Mind, mind you, this thing where you fuck fucking toilet papers with fucking pool cues right. is run by a high school English teacher. Okay, this makes sense. So so all this, all this stuff, it leads to... Who, who was involved in some independent wrestling? Yeah, so like it's all tied to wrestling, but it wasn't wrestling. But it was just like, like I said, professional wrestling without the actual wrestling part. SCP Mayhem was kind of like a developmental system to get into EFW, which was the untrained wrestling company yeah, that because, that was part of. because also on the cast uh was matt wadsworth was on the cast yeah as um, rusty johnson the mechanic uh uh there was a guy matt christensen who worked for maxim and WWE magazine uh and he's the guy who runs the uh what would uncle jesse do website that sometimes sponsors aiw he was a part of it he was an independent wrestler named brian backstreet and there, he was also a part of the show like there was a lot of crossover with professional wrestling and so that Lent. Local professional wrestling. You well, independent wrestling. Involved? So where do you get involved from there? So I was involved in the TV show for years. I think I, st- I started in 2001 about when I graduated, and that led up to about 2005. Uh, that's how long, because the show ended, the wrestling show ended, and it became a nightclub like variety show where there was like a game show at bars, and like I was like a man on the street reporter. And one of the other people on the cast was one of the people that started AIW with Thorne. Okay. Yeah, but before that, let's talk about you're going to independent wrestling shows at this time. Oh, uh, for sure. I would be the guy in the crowd that yelled the loudest. So you're going as a fan. I was going as a fan and heckling, heckling worse oh, than he- any person heckling. on the planet. Heckling. He wow. was not supporting anything. What kind of... Uh, give us... I will give I will, I will give uh, you I will give you a famous Chandler Biggins. It's not even a heckle, but the one thing th- this is what made me know who this guy was. I'm at a Cleveland All Pro show, and he is sitting in the front row, and uh, there's a match going on. I won't I won't say who's in the match, but it was some guys that Chandler Biggins was not a fan of. Because uh, I, I, I'm friends with him now, but Sheik Abdul Hassan, the munch, we, the yeah, munchies, the munchies, the munchies for anyone that uh, that has seen any uh, Cleveland All Pro. Well, it, it was a singles match with the Sheik. Yeah. So uh, I'll never forget this. Chandler Biggins, front row. These guys are coming out. They're about to have this brutal dog collar match. And Chandler Biggins, in his full support of independent wrestling, pulls out a newspaper. Wall Street Journal. And just starts reading it in the front row. 
And fans are yelling out stock symbols, and I was telling them what their stock is at. Yeah, so this is the kind of this is the kind of fan that Chandler Biggins is in this awful, era. just awful. So you were not enjoying the match, is what you're saying? I was an awful fan. What would you do if you were at a show now? I would be so mad at them. <laughs> yes. Now that the shoes are on the other side, uh, it's not good. Shoe, shoes on the other foot. Is that where you're going? Yes. With there? Yes. Okay. All right. So, so that's you watching independent wrestling in general. Then- well, yeah. So it comes to be. I would go, like, Thorne and I went to the same shows for probably years and years, probably a decade, and never really talked or knew of each other. Until this newspaper incident. Until the newspaper incident. But, we, like, I knew all his friends, and they all knew me, but me and Thorne never interacted. And were you just there as a fan at the time? Well, or you were working with He was Alpha. working those shows, but he would go to shows with his, like, crew. Yeah, because... Sure. So we would also go and we would heckle shows because we had a rival promotion, quote unquote. Right. So after we got more serious about being wrestlers, Chandler Briggins kind of took 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 up where we left off. <laughs> like there would be fifteen of us that would go and fuck with like Cleveland All Pro shows or these other promotions that don't exist. And at that time, I was pretty quiet at the shows. So then we all decided to go the legit route, and you know you're not. There was a ho- there was a there- hole missing. You're not supposed to act like that. You're not supposed, you know, you're supposed to be respectful. These are the people you got to work with, you know, because when we first started, it was just our crew of people and we just wrestled each other and it was like us against them. We thought we were like the fucking NWO or something, (laughs) but then we get trained and then we're trying to become legitimate professional wrestlers. We realize we can't act like that. So, uh, I never got this memo. Well, Chandler Biggins, not really being in our crew, he saw how we were and he decides to take up, uh, he, to fill the void of the 15 guys that used to go and heckle shows. There was just one. There was just one, and he was equally as loud as all of us. <laughs> that is a true story. There used to be this thing called promo sabotage. When anybody would talk, you would just yell, ah. And, and it, you could hear, like, independent wrestling. Independent wrestling, the sound systems aren't normally as good as guys yelling that. And I could somehow almost be as loud as 15 people. So... Fast forward uh, how long, and then John Thorne, you start uh, being part AIW. From there, I would say Thorne is probably the main guy that had AIW, but he had partners because right. this this untrained federation became trained, and we've told the story before. We'll have to get the Duke really back on to explain all of that yeah. origin because it was pretty much. Well, the, he, we talked about it on that episode. Yeah, but we can get more in depth in it like at a later date. But pretty much, we split in half. Um, and AIW started, and then the Duke went with these other guys, and they started the thing. Well, we run our we run our first show, AIW show, and Chandler Biggins is fucking front and center. And uh, Chandler Biggins just picking up exactly where he left off at every other show, goes out of his way to just ruin the entire first AIW event. I'm sure if you allegedly, like, it's not. It's not on sale. It's only on AIWarchives.com, the AIW first event. But if you go and you watch that, you can see Chandler Briggins fucking plain as day, right up against the guardrail, just <laughs> ruining every fucking thing. Well, that, granted, it was a pretty bad show. Still, ruining everything. So, I have this idea. Well, that was the first time you and me even talked, because you're like, 
I was just at the bar and I saw you there and I went up to him because there was a lot of internet drama at the time with the two rival companies and I brought something up to him and I don't even remember what, but it was like a conversation start. I'm like, what's up with this whole thing going on online? Yeah. So we start talking and, uh, you know, uh, Chandler Biggins is at this point, the most hated person in Cleveland professional wrestling. There's not even a fucking, not even a second place. Like every wrestler in the area wants this guy's head to the point where wrestlers were trying to find out where he worked so they could go heckle him at his real job story. They wanted to, they went to his job to go heckle him because he had made people so mad. Um, so we start talking and he's a, all right enough guy. I know I don't fucking care to kill him. I just don't want him to ruin our show. And I will say the same thing about JT lightning was he would always promise me nothing's going to happen to you. I, I know you're just having fun. So that's a credit to JT lightning. He wasn't going to let anybody kill me. So I get this genius idea after having this conversation with him at the first AIW show, this fucking guy ruins every show. But if we bring him into the AIW fold, He's not going to ruin our shows. He's just going to continue to ruin all the other competing shows in the area. So that's kind of how it starts, and he starts getting involved. Uh, well, and I think just, and, and we kind of enlisted him as a spy at the time. Yeah, because they would send me to other shows, or we would send him to go meet wrestlers at a mall and interrog- and get some information, like an undercover guy. Oh yeah, because I played both sides, but I was working for them, and uh, I know the time that Thorn and I, like Thorn and I just started talking and it was one of those things where like we just hit it off and we, we have similar stories and uh, just stuff. It was just one of those things where we clicked and I clicked with him way more than the other two people in AIW management. And then, so we started talking, like we were ta- started talking more often. And I would say the first time like we hung out, hung out was there's hardcore homecoming, which was an ECW reunion show. And shout out to Jeremy Borash, Jeremy Borash and Cody Michaels. Um, but they had trouble drawing in Cleveland, which is, you know, a, a story for all time is how hard it is to draw in Cleveland. But they ended up deciding that they were going to produce 10,000 comp tickets to try to fill up the building. Well, they started giving them to the rival promoter, but I had a good relationship with this guy and all of AIW wanted to go. So I met this guy at Parmatown Mall, and this guy just had a table in front of him. And it looked like, if you think of Scarface, Scarface when he had all the cocaine, it was just hardcore homecoming tickets all over. And he goes, where do you want, the balcony? I go, sure. So he gave me like 30 tickets, so all AIW was there. Because I was throwing a party in my grandma's backyard getting ready for hardcore homecoming. So he invites me over, and that's the first time like we ever hung out. I was at his grandma's house, and we're watching wrestling. Uh, and then we just hit it off, and from there... Uh, we could probably flat fast forward. There's three AIW shows, and then the fourth one was at the Beachland Ballroom, Hell on Earth One, and uh, they decided they were going to make because they always wanted they always teased who the real owner of AIW was, and there and he got the genius idea. Let's take this guy everybody hates and make him the owner because then because the fans thought I was funny, but the workers hated me, so it'd get heat from the fa- the the workers, but then the fans. I was like the inside. You'd be guy. like an ambassador to like the people in the crowd, right. like because it was like one of them, like one of them revealing that they were behind this whole and thing. And yeah. the whole scam was, we were running Peabody's at the time. They did this thing where, the December show, the Gauntlet for the Gold won. It was a free show, so my big thing was I own AIW now, and I love you guys so much that I'm making the next show free. And I had a briefcase full of free tickets, just like Hardcore Homecoming. And he just threw them out to the 
to the hundreds in attendance. So there's a big unveiling of Chandler Biggins being the owner. I mean, good thing you had this all this uh, managerial background. So that you yes, my my that. manager career. Did you uh, did you have you cut like a big promo saying I'm the owner? Do you yes, remember? yeah, it's a, it, I got my own chapter on the DVD. Really. Uh, pretty long because it was a thing where they kept playing the theme song over and over. And nobody came forward. And then I came directly from the front row. Yeah, he was in the crowd the whole time. Wow. And who introduced you? Hank Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> so now. Hell of a ring announcer. Way better than Steve Guy. Well, that's not hard. So now this guy who all the boys. Which, the which. Came. So I was, I was there all day. Yeah. And so there was so many people talking shit to me. And the number one guy, Ricky Shane Page, walked up to me. And he was one of my biggest guys that I heckled. And not even towards him, but he just hated my heckling. So I didn't really heckle him, but he just hated me in general. He walked up to me and he goes, this is shit. You don't belong here. Fuck you. And that <laughs> that was my first uh, welcoming to AIW. And I'm so quiet. Like, they invited me in or whatever. So I am so, like quiet and i don't want to step on anybody's toes you know i just want to be quiet i knew people hated me but i didn't want you know to cause any problems so i'm not talking really to anybody and then he just got in my face and said that i go oh boy yeah and this was like your first taste of like really getting in- involved so you were on top fucking secret well behavior oh 100 percent. that's what i was going to ask so the boys in the back weren't exactly thrilled that you oh i didn't care i just didn't want my show to get heckled anymore <laughs> now, and did and then did they see that oh they didn't give a fuck about that they hated him <laughs> and every, but, every, every, everybody hated him for years but, but you know what's funny uh there was two guys that like welcomed me in the locker room i mean obviously thorn and the other guys were nice or whatever but beef stew marconi and the thrill boy who were wrestling that night I just sat with them in the locker room after I was revealed because I'm out of the crowd now, and they were just super nice to me. It was very strange. So now you've been uh, uncovered, you've been unveiled as an owner of AIW. Is this in name only? Or oh, 100%. Approached? Okay. So- no, I got into the management with him just because Year, I... Years later. Years later. So how long were you this... Uh, <laughs> character. He's character. A, yeah, this character. About two sorts. years. About two years. But meanwhile... Me and him just clicked, so I almost became in the like years following that, almost like his assistant, like his assistant booker, his assistant, because like I wasn't an owner by name, but then I was with him at all times when we were going to all these places and like at shows and stuff. And like people, so the other people involved didn't really understand pro wrestling one hundred one stuff. So I'd be trying to push these very generalized things that we should be doing, and all they would care about is. Like well, one would get, care, getting themselves over. Well, yeah, yeah. All they would care about is getting themselves and their friends over. And me and him, like I was saying before, you know, we might have not been friends all these years we were around, but we're both cut from the same mold, and we both have basically the same theories on how pro wrestling should work. And these other two partners did not have one fucking clue. So me and him are talking wrestling logic, and then they don't get it at all. So then me and him became better friends because. Well, it makes sense to us. Oh, remember what happened at this pay-per-view in 1988? And we would like laugh about it. And these two fucking other guys didn't have one clue about professional wrestling. Yeah, it was just like, so there's, in independent wrestling, there's kind of two mindsets. There's kind of like, let's put on a good show for everybody and try to make a company. And then there's, let's put on a show in a bubble and try to become local celebrities. That was kind of the mindset of the other people involved in the AIW is they wanted to be the big fish in the small ponds and like 
they wanted to present themselves like they were like television stars, but they weren't television stars. Like because I'm a television star, and they wanted to be like me. Well, you were, yeah, you were an SCP, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Public so, access, so that's so kind of like trying to like you know we were fans of independent wrestling as, as a whole, you know. So like so, and I'll give a perfect example. Like I remember the first year I was in the company. Thorne and I came up with this match that it was either going to be low key versus Mike Quackenbush or the Necro Butcher. And the two other guys are like, fuck that. We don't know who any of those people are. Yeah. Like, and they're like, let's just do, uh, you know, this guy versus this guy, you know? And it's just like, no, like we're trying to, we're trying to expand out and put Cleveland on the map, not just be on the map for well, Cleveland. Perfect- they just wanted a bunch of local guys. They just wanted the, and, the and they wanted time. everyone in the crowd to think that they were the stars sure. and they were, and that's kind of what led to the you know the infamous split or whatever between two thousand seven. So for first two years of the company, uh, I, well that was that was when I became an official owner was in two thousand seven when we split the company in half and I went with Thorne and the whole split occurred because Thorne and I had different theories about wrestling than the other people. I didn't want I like I didn't want to be a big fish in a small pond. I wanted to be a company like, like a, a major player, like a destination independent company. You know like a. That that people knew fucking from Cleveland to fucking Los Angeles. You know, I don't just want to be known in the west side of Cleveland. So Chandler Briggins, you were the original John Thorne guy. Uh, probably yeah. He's probably still. <laughs> we, always, the, we always talk about Chandler Briggins guy. He's probably You're still the, the only John Thorne guy. <laughs> so, so, so two years into the company is when we split. But by then. Thorne had already included me in almost every decision and every. I was already moving up the food chain uh, just by climbing default because I was climbing the corporate ladder because, like, if Thorne is so passionate about wrestling, the other two owners weren't. So then he would turn to me and go, We got to work on this project. Let's do it together because he had no support from the other two. So then I became like a default member of management just by you know, by necessity because he would need help doing something and he would count on me other than the other two because they're fucking goofs. (laughs) I mean, that's a good explanation. Right or wrong? Right or wrong? Plus, plus then we started going on trips to like uh, Norm Connors shows just to like, because at the time, you know, Norm Connors was, was drawing huge and why he was so successful is he was importing all these top indie guys. So it would be like a good core local roster, and then he would have all these indie guys on top, and it was like a foreign a foreign idea to us, but it's what we and wanted not to only go like, to. Not only foreign to us, just foreign to Cleveland in general. Because even JT, to an extent, even though he would bring people in... It was he, few and far between. He wanted to keep a local... Like, Cleveland was a bubble until... like I, even after 2007, till we could really do it, like Cleveland was still just a bubble. And, and like the thing that Thorne and I always like talk about is, if JT would have got video distribution back in the day, Cleveland All Pro could have been as big as John Zandig with CZW or big as Ian Rotten with IWA because all they had over JT was better distribution. So it's like a what if. So we were almost the first Cleveland company to ever try to break out of that Cleveland bubble. And, I mean, look at us now. We did. But, man, did it take years and years of hard work just to break that, like, Cleveland curse. Because JT, JT, you know, he, he was mainly local, like, local-based talent. And, you know, it would be people coming out of his school and stuff. And all he, all JT cared about was the live, the, the ticket sales. 
At that time, nobody was thinking of video distribution or additional income or anything like that. Um, even to this day, like it's hard to find old Cleveland All Pro stuff. And like, you know, he- I mean, there's probably d- dozens, if not hundreds, of shows that he ran that might have not even been videotaped. So our big thing is, you know, we're we're kind of coming up in that, you know golden age of <coughs> following that golden age of independent wrestling like of the iw mid-south and the czws and all these the emergence of the north american independence chikara was real big at the time and everything else so that's what we kind of wanted to be we wanted to be one of those develop into one of those independents but the partners at the time did not uh they did not see that they did not want that they just wanted to be the guys that wrestled the Peabody's and hopefully some fucking bartenders or girls would, you know, want to hang out with them. That was pretty much the goal for the initial AIW. So, I mean, we won't cover the split that much, but when the split occurred, it was two other, it, we brought on the, the, the cop that tried to do the pee pee dance. We brought him on. We had a, we had an original partner and then it was me and Thorne, but I would guarantee that out of the four of us, Thorne and I drove the company because the other two, the cop, you know, he was in and out, and the other guy was a fucking goof. Uh, so, right or wrong. That's his quote, the fucking goof. So, like, Thorne and I, when the split happened, the company was basically Thorne and I. We just had two fucking anchors holding us down. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, uh, that's pretty much a, a, a decent description. So, even after we split from the original AIW, then we have to split again years later. And that's when I feel we really excelled. And I mean, because this we, is like 2010. The fucking goof partner. Let me talk about this guy. This is this is post uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 2010, mid-2010. There, there was two AIW management splits throughout our history. And the one wasn't really a split because the company didn't split. This guy just split from the company. Okay. Uh, he quit. He quit. And that was it. But um, this guy, our other partner, was a fucking goof. And Thorne and I, Thorne and I are like, we eat, sleep, and breathe professional wrestling. And this guy thought he was too cool for school. So the story is, this guy had a house, and he had a basement that he wasn't using. So then Thorne moved in, and then he had another room, like 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 a studio apartment type room with a shower and a bathroom and like a little kitchenette and stuff. He made that the, quote, AIW office. So we had a real office. We had shelves for the DVDs and like the computers and stuff. So Thorne and I are there at his house, and we go... Because at the time, everything was in-house. He would make all the DVDs and stuff. This fucking guy, we would sit there eight hours. This is why Smart Video, I, I could kiss the feet of Mike Burns, because this guy saved AIW. <laughs> Me and Thorne would sit in this fucking guy's house for eight hours, and this guy would be looking at random websites, watching fucking random videos on YouTube, and we were like, we just set it up so we could do the work for you, we want to get DVDs out because we are in this mindset of we need a DVD out immediately because we want to we want to build this company into a super indie. And so this fucking guy would fucking go all day without doing a fucking like iota of work. Then me and him are just sitting there fucking twiddling our thumbs. Then this guy would go, oh, I'll be right back. And then we would hear the front door slam and he'd go to a bar <laughs> after eight hours of sitting. Or 
My favorite was the one time he said, I'll be right back. And then he went to bed, but then he tweeted something to the extent of, man, I hate the fucking people I was just with. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, this is like, our business partner. This is our business partner. And he's subtweeting us while we're in his house minutes after he fucking left after not doing any work. And when I say work, literally all he had to do was like, sync up the video and me and Thorne said we would cut the video which is the hardest part because I mean, AIW used to be so complicated like it's amazing that podcasting now is the fucking hardest thing that we gotta do well because thank god for smart run video Mike Burns Robles everybody else Gary Gary Shannon, Shannon oh, scumbag for hire Nissan and Limerick Pennsylvania <laughs> on route 422 check out Andy so anyways we would waste months and months and months just to get one DVD out. There was DVDs. We booked that one show, Tyler Black versus Chris Hero, Sonny, Commissioner Sonny, all that. We've talked about that. It took one calendar year to come out. Now, if Smart Mark takes more than two weeks, we're fucking like, oh, my God, where's the show? Like, it's I just have such despise for him because he held us down for so many years when John Thorne and I had this fucking dream of a company and we couldn't fucking execute it because this guy is a fucking goof. This and, is a, and he's a piece of shit. Well, and this is our business partner. And that motherfucker, that motherfucker. Held us down for years. So then 2010. You're going to get a blog about you, dude. Yeah, live journal me, fucking asshole. So this guy. Fire here. So basically, I'm getting fired up. But the point is, John Thorne and I, always we always got along because we always had this vision of this thing together. And over the years, we had other partners that held us down. So now, since 2010, when this other guy quit, is what we always wanted the company to be. And, like, look at it now. It's what we dreamed of it to be, and it took many years, but I think we've accomplished it. Let's go back. That's a lot, dude. Yeah, yeah, I know. I didn't want to interrupt because you were on such a tirade there. Uh, Opposite of what the Dave the Potato episode was becoming. You were going to get some fucking contact, dude. Fuck him. So let's go back. 2007, you become... well, you're two two years later. You guys have split off, and now like, and I became an official, you're an official uh, member of the team. Yeah, and maybe John can attest more to this. But the boys in the back of the house still despise Biggins for remembering. Um, I would say 2010 or 2007. It was starting to die off because 2005 was bad. But t- starting of 2006, I made a conscious effort. If I was going to attend a show, it wouldn't be to heckle. It would just be to hang out. And then except for that one time that I had to put a wellness policy in place. Oh, uh, Absolution 1, I thought the world was ending because Kamala no-showed. Uh, so I put taked in some uh, shrubbery in the Peabody's parking lot, which I am not a proponent of. But literally, I was about in tears I was in tears because Kamala no showed. Yeah, Worldwide just woke up. Shrubbery? (laughs) Biggins? Oh, yeah. He big time into the fucking, big time into the gardening. Only once. Only once. Oh, you used to, you used to go, what's that band you used to go to? Fucking, uh, (laughs) what's it? Fucking something like 100 Stoners or something. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) No, I hate the Katamath King. (laughs) It's all over your fucking, uh, it's all over your fucking photo bucket. You used to go to fucking some fucking. Oh, Slaves on Dope? I only saw him once. (laughs) I only saw him once. They gave me a bunch of stickers. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to draw. So, so, so Biggins has to cut this promo, but he's out uh, fucking uh, hitting the fucking, hitting the pipe in the fucking parking lot. And he comes in. I probably told this story before. I don't care. And he, he comes in and he goes, 
Attention, mothers of no, no, daughters. No no, 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 no. I said sons of bitches and daughters of bitches because in my head, my warped mind, I'm thinking, why is it sons of bitches when there's daughters too? I wasn't thinking. No, I seriously... There's only one time in my life that I cried because of professional wrestling, and it's when we stiffed everybody when Peabody's gave a $68 gate. The other time I almost cried because Kamala fucking no-showed, and I literally thought, company's over, we're dead, we're dead. What about what we really, when police officer partner came on board and he really put a wellness policy in place and he tried to have Chris Hero sign an affidavit that he was... Chris Hero, he goes, you got to sign this contract because we had this off. We had this officer join the one that within two shows was trying to show us cock to the crowd. This guy came up with all this paperwork because he's an old guy and old people love paperwork. So this guy comes up with this wellness policy that says nobody will wrestle inebriated or you can't do drugs within a certain time of our show. He's like liabilities, liabilities, guys. So Chris Hero signs it, and it goes, what is your current location? And Chris Hero wrote, in the ghetto. Because <laughs> we were on the ghetto. This was a binding contract. Uh, so, John, let me ask you this, because go, we're going to go back uh, to a point. I don't remember it was uh, Ask Us Anything or different, but there was a different episode where Chandler Biggins talked about how, over the years, he has become the one to control you because you get upset over something I or got go I got the name Chandler the handler not only for Thorn but for everything because I'm not a big drinker so there's not too many wild crazy Chandler Biggins party stories sure. but I'm I liked I like the party atmosphere <laughs> but I'm not a big partaker but there was a point because your reference in that is that John used to have to control you or does control you now more so, who gets more riled up now as you've been a part of an ownership? I think it goes both ways. There's times I'm fired up and he goes chill out. But most of the time, it's when he's, uh, well, not it's so anymore. Now he's just a fun guy, drunk. But there was a time where he tried to kill other people in wrestling. <laughs> no comment. All right, then. Oh, this was, now that I remember, this is the riddle episode when you were fired up more so than John because he had not seen well, the it, interview yet. But. Well, here's- well I, 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 you know, we get fired up about different things. Sometimes we're both fired up. But the thing that, like, Thorne and I have done over the years is we're kind of like a support system in that there's times where I'm really down about something or want to quit wrestling, and he'll, like, pump me back up. And then there's times where he's real down about wrestling or depressed. And, like, you know, he was he was in a situation with his uncle dying, and I said, don't worry about it. We got it handled. And he's done that for me prior to this. And it's just one of those things where – we kind of balance everything. He does certain tasks. I do certain tasks, but we can cover for each other. But there was one time where we both were so down that we were ready to give it up. And then I know some people remember we had like a save AIW campaign. And that was because we were so broke and he was down and I was down and there was no like coming back. Cause usually we have one or the other to pipe up the other one. Like, Hey, you know, you know, it'd be okay, man. It'd be okay. Because there's been times where he's had issues. He's like, fuck wrestling, man. I don't want to do it. I'll be like, come on, man. We got this show coming up. And he's done the same to me where I'm like, man, I fucking hate wrestling. He goes, come on, man. We got, you know, uh, this big show coming up. And then it brings you back. Uh, but there was a time, what was it? Probably 2009 or something. Save AIW. Whatever that campaign was, it was really looking bad. What was the was point? Like 10 or 11. Yeah, this is, yeah, what was 11. the point where you were finally like really in this 
as an ownership, and you're like, oh, I when you were like, I am businessman, hear me roar. Like, like there was something that got you really riled up because this is your company. Like the first time Chandler Biggins went Chandler Biggins and ranted like you just did five or so minutes. Oh, ago. when Honky Tonk Man was in my bedroom. <laughs> that was when I that was when there were still four o- or uh, three owners at the beginning. That was the like that was my final. That really set me off that whole weekend because. <laughs> Uh, I had lost $500 on that fucking show in Michigan. And the other, I'm a fake owner and I'm putting money in because I have to do anything to keep the shows going. This other owner, not the fucking goof, the fucking. The other ba- goof. The other goof. The one that split away from AIW. This fucking guy didn't put up one dime and was ordering me around, calling me names. And I tried to throw him off a balcony because I was so pissed at him. I believe he called you Todd Gordon. He called me Todd Gordon. And I go, motherfucker, I'm more Paul Heyman than any of you motherfuckers. <laughs> and I was going to, sh- I grabbed him and I was going to throw him off a balcony. And it's I think. It's an th- ongoing theme in AW throwing people off balconies. Yeah. And. Because Thorne Suge ca- Knight is one of my idols. <laughs> Thorne called me down that night. But I was fired up from the honky tonk man trying to bang a rat in my bed or watching or whatever. So then I tried to fucking throw this other owner off a, a balcony and he goes, I said, I lost 500 bucks, motherfucker. And he goes, oh, man, I'm sorry, man. You know, And I go, you call me Todd Gordon one more time, I'm going to pop you in the fucking mouth. And and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, man. He goes, uh, and I go, what are you going to do is a real owner of this fucking company. I'm the fucking fake owner. I'm losing money. I go, I know you got a check in your pocket for $800 for print work. I said, you better go cash it, motherfucker, and pay me back. He's like, hey, man, yeah. I said, I'll pop you in the fucking mouth, motherfucker. Oh, my God. <laughs> that same weekend, Nick Saka beat up a, a member of the roster, too. Yeah, Nick Saka's a badass motherfucker. I saw this guy. I saw, not to go off topic, but I saw Nick Saka try to fucking spear the same guy that he beat up through a plate glass window in Youngstown, Ohio, home of the potato. And... I saw Nick Saka beat up a guy. This other guy was heckling Nick Saka. Nick Saka was in my car. This other guy got out of a car and fucking talked shit to Nick Saka. So Nick Saka got out and speared this guy into the mulch by a Taco Bell drive-thru. And then he's trying to bash his head into the speaker. <laughs> Said, order a quesadilla, motherfucker. Yeah. Double Dilla. Next time you don't give Nick Saka, the AIW bartender, a ticket, remember that story. Yeah. Buy you, tickets, please. Buy tickets and then... Then you get your beer. Okay, so what other questions you got about Chandler Biggins? We're, just, we're getting close to the end here. You I, better. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're rolling. I, I think this goes back now. Now you have to look back at things and, you know, put it into perspective. I, I guess, wish we would have fucking just done it, me and Thorne, from day one. I was, that's what I was going to ask for John, you know, it, it, looking back now with everything you've accomplished with Biggins. Do you look back and be like, oh, man, we should have just started the first thing? Or were there growing pains that you needed to go through? Oh, definitely needed to go through those growing pains. Oh, yeah, and not to cut off his question or whatever, but I think everything that we lived through got us here today. But, man, it's it's hard to look back in retrospect and not been like, man, I wish we would have just got smarter video day one. Do you ever look at, at Chandler Biggins sometimes when he's getting fired up at a show or he's talking to somebody and looking and be like, oh, yeah, there's that, there's that asshole heckler. All uh, over again? Because there there still are some times where... Because Chandler Briggins never went through like a formal etiquette pro wrestling learning right. thing. And there are some times where he is just... You got to say, hey, man, maybe not say it like that. You know? Sometimes I get a little too Canadian. Yeah, a little too straightforward. Uh, because those Canadians, they have no filter. 
and sometimes he's just so a matter of fact about things and just like, hey, you know, let's let's not say it like that. Let's fucking let's you know pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, there's definitely times where I just say what's on my mind and it's not kid gloves. And a lot of times the the fragile egos in wrestling, it's hard to you know, uh, talk matter of fact and not get heat. Has that been the hardest part for you to balance? Because you're still very... The no, hardest part man. was fucking trying to do work with these other fucking idiot owners. Well, but now that we're past Oops. that, because you still... Fucking are, goofs. You're still very much a wrestling fan. Is that your your biggest, uh, I don't know, the thing that you have to overcome is be like, uh, all right, I got to look at this as a business guy, not a fan. You know, the fan in me or the real person in uh, you would yeah, to tell you, I mean, yeah, this is how it is. I mean, I can't bring myself to... Be like, I can't get excited for other wrestling that's not AIW. There's still AIW stuff I'm super pumped for, but it's not like it used to be where I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to give twenty dollars to this other promoter and sit in the crowd and watch these guys. I don't know, like it just that's totally lost for me. Right. But there is still the the fan of Chandler Briggins to where we're coming up with who we're gonna book, and it could be guy A who he was a fan of as a child, and it could be there could be no. It does not matter how much it costs. Uh, because it, he's worth it. But there could be guy C, who he doesn't necessarily like, that is uh, way cheaper. Who 100%. He said, so, and he says, We're, this is fucking, this is, this is going to put us out of business. This is guy's too much money. But since he's a fan of guy A, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So that's, that's where he still struggles a little bit. Well, there's, you know, that's a, that's a great question to wrap this up because legendary becoming on the show is Chandler's deep love for wrestlers from the deep south when did that whole transition start happening where he started convincing you john thorne oh we got to book all these guys we have to book because all- we wanted to get weird because everything wanted to be pwg so there's still a lot of these guys still have fan bases it's just more of an obscure fan base and a different fan base like an older fan base than you know we could book x guy from ring of honor pwg or whatever or book this obscure guy and like it's something that you know jt had success with over the years in cleveland all pro they're still i mean at one point uh this has never been told i don't think but us and jt were talking about running a smoky mountain wrestling convention this was years ago so it's something that's never not been in it, akron ohio because akron was a hot smoky mountain town yeah so it was. We heard somewhere that like Jim Cornette or something said like, "Oh man, Akron was always big for like buying Smoky Mountain tapes or something." And like there was one time where they gave out like a free, like it was like a dollar Chikara DVD. Like you could order from Smartmark Video this Chikara DVD for like a buck or something. And Mike Burns told us, "Man, you, they're getting so many orders from Akron, Ohio." So in our minds, we're like, "Man, we're gonna run a Smoky Mountain wrestling convention." in Akron, Ohio, and JT was on board, and then it was just one of those things that never happened. But it's not that Smoky Mountain, USWA and stuff wasn't always in the system. I mean, you know, besides WWE, that you know, I was big on, oh, man, it's going to be so cool to have Jerry Lawler here and stuff like that. So it's something that was always there. We just have the means now to uh, accomplish. Do you remember the first person that, like, you were responsible for to book? And, and fabulous John McChesney. Yeah, fabulous John McChesney. How excited uh, were you just to be in charge of booking someone finally? Nah, it wasn't that great. It was just no? kind of there. <laughs> I mean, there's really no story. It's just like, uh, hey, man, are you available? Yeah, okay, cool. Right. Um, what about what about the first time you got to book somebody that like you really loved? Oh, 
Uh, I, I know it was a bad night for Thorne, but the time that we had Necro Butcher and Drake Younger, I had been such a fan of those two from like watching videos. And that's another thing. The other two owners couldn't have been bothered watching independent wrestling. And Thorne and I would try to consume anything we could of independent wrestling. So like to us, Necro Butcher and Drake Younger were like, you know, huge guys at the time. And like, to, you know, anybody else, they didn't care. The other owners. So when I got to like eat lunch with Drake Younger and then meet the Necro Butcher, I was fucking in heaven. Big dreams for this guy. And then John yeah, Thorne was in heaven because he got murdered. Well, there, allegedly. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> uh, I mean, any any final thoughts? I mean, John, you've been with this guy for uh, over a decade now. Almost twelve years. Fuck, man. Thirteen I, years, I that's think. That's all I gotta say. Fuck. Could you imagine this ride with anybody else at this point? Probably not. Would you be more or less successful? Plug your ears, Jeremy Pickens. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm 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 a lot to handle myself. Yeah, and, and you know, I you know, somebody asked somebody asked uh when Thorne was kind of unavailable that week uh in December, somebody was like, How how is it going? And I was like, It it's weird because and I think Carrie Awful asked uh, of the Carnies. He goes, How is it, you know, and I said, I don't think I would like to run wrestling with anybody else because you know, my weaknesses are Thorne's strengths and my, you know, my strengths are his weaknesses. Uh, like we split the duties almost in half to where it's a per- perfect partnership because he could do this and I could do that. You know, it goes back and forth and we have different tasks. And without him being there, there was stuff that, you know, was weak that I couldn't cover for because I don't know how to do stuff he does. And he really doesn't know how to do stuff I do. Well, there you go. It's a perfect note to end it. The perfect partnership of AIW. That was uh, co-owner number Just don't two. bring up Teddy Hart's leg injury because that, that we're horrible partners. All right, real. We'll leave that. We'll leave that one where it is. Real. It was real. This. Uh, we hope you enjoy this. Hell, hell of a walk on this guy that supposedly was hurt so Free bad. Teddy. Free Teddy. See, he's, a little, he's having a little bit of legal trouble. Throw the key away. Free Teddy. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode of AIW's The Card is Going to Change, all about how we got to owner number two, Chandler Biggins. And nobody get in this way, because if you are as obnoxious as I was, I'll kill you. Uh, and and there, you, there you have it. Uh, that's a great note to end on. For Chandler Biggins, John Thorne, I'm Steve Guy. We hope you enjoy this episode, and uh, join us back here next week for The Card is Going to Change. Thank you to Angelo's Pizza, Smart Mark Video, and Jack Prince. You chop the walnuts, you know, and you chop the peanuts, and I'm going to fucking kill you.